answer to the question of who am I supposed to love is you're asking the wrong question. You are called to be the neighbor. From Chicago, it's the Old St. Pat's Podcast Sunday Series, a show that highlights weekly reflections from Old St. Patrick's Church. Who comes to mind when you hear the word neighbor? Is it your next door neighbor? Your neighbors down the block? Or how about your neighboring town or country? If you're like most, we think of a person or a place. So in essence, we mainly think of the word neighbor as a noun. In this past Sunday's Gospel, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And even though it's one we've heard many times, today, Father Pat McGrath helps us see the story in a new way, as a call to action to turn the word neighbor from a noun to a verb. In a phrase that's now very familiar to us, the Second Vatican Council in one of the key documents, Gaudium et Spes, borrows some of the language from Pope John the 23rd and says that as church, we're invited to scrutinize the signs of the times in light of the gospel. That as church, as the companions of Jesus, those who together seek to be his followers, to be his presence in the world, we have an obligation to scrutinize, to read the signs of the times, but always in light of the gospel. Before the document of Gaudium et Spes articulated that, John the 23rd said, we scrutinize the signs of the times and we confirm that our Lord has not left this world that he redeemed. To confirm that our Lord who redeemed this world is still with us. And so we scrutinize, we read our own lives, we read the life of our community, we read the life of our world, our nation, in light of the gospel. Which is to say, nothing makes sense to us, nothing can be fully understood, nothing can be received in the way that God intends us to understand our lives without the gospel shaping our read. And so I wonder for you what's been happening lately in your heart and mind as you scrutinize the signs of the times in light of the gospel. It's been overwhelming, the cacophony of the division we see everywhere, our inability to even talk to each other, to find common ground, to approach one another from a place of openness and respect. We felt it happening for a long time, and it's, it's not another homily which lists the litany of things that are evidence of this fracturing, this fissure of so many bonds of ours. The violence on the other side of the world and the violence here in our beloved Chicago and in Highland Park. And when that story, that news unfolded this past Monday, the horror of it all, I didn't know quite how to scrutinize 
the signs of the times in light of the gospel. For what it's worth, I, I find myself in my own prayer just repeating the same thing over and over, and it's words that the priest gets to pray on behalf of the community just before we come to the altar to receive the Eucharist. The church, in its wisdom, as we gather for Eucharist and hear the sacred scriptures and are fed by holy food, inserts Jesus' prayer and instruction to us, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. And we pray those spectacular, simple, disarming words of Jesus. And then, at the conclusion of that prayer, the priest prays, Deliver us, Lord, from every evil. And graciously... Grant us peace. Over and over this week, I find myself praying that prayer. It's a, it's a prayer of almost desperation in its own way. It's recognizing we need God's help. Deliver us, Lord. And lest we doubt that the brokenness and the darkness are in fact evil, the church inserts this reality just before we come to be fed so that we might go out and read the signs of the times, our life, this world, in light of the struggle to live like Jesus in the mission to serve in a fractured world, in the invitation to be church for a wounded world. And so we've come together on what the church in its calendar calls the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, it's not meant to imply an ordinariness. It's meant to imply a deepening of our stepping into the grace of what has unfolded in our liturgical year, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. To be reminded that we've staked ourselves on the truth of that, we've put our entire lives in the hands of the one who enters into this human mess, this beautiful world, and shows us the way. And so the church on this day gives us these readings, and it's a gift, it seems to me, that as we're encouraged to read the signs of the times in light of the scriptures, in light of the gospels, that this comes to us today, when we know so many who are hurting, when we recognize that terror and violence have come close St. Paul speaks to us across the ages. He, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Sit with that for just a moment. Don't let it rush by as just another familiar bit of scripture text. He is the image of the invisible God. St. Paul wants to say that aching and that longing in every human heart for something more what Augustine would say the longing, restless heart aims for, hopes for, wordlessly aches for, is God. Our hearts are restless, Augustine says, until they rest in you, O Lord, because you've created us for yourself. And St. Paul says, and Jesus is the image, is the presence, is the incarnation of that God you hunger for. More simply stated, if you want to know what God is like, watch him, Jesus. 
If you want to see what it looks like for God to come into this world and save it from the inside out, watch him. Not with lightning bolts or armies marching, but in compassionate, tender mercy. To enter into the brokenness, not to run away from it. To be crucified on a cross and to enter into that broken world he knew, the broken world we know. And to stand together as his companions, recognizing that love wins in the end. That the love of God manifested in that cross is the life of God on that Easter Sunday morning. And that's not to put some simplistic, easy lesson about just wait for Sunday of Easter. It's to recognize that if you want to know where God is in this world today, watch Jesus. He's with the broken ones. He's with those who mourn today. He's with those whose hearts have a hole in them today, where once a loved one was. He's with those at the margins, at the edges of our culture and our world. He's with those who today don't know quite what to do next. But see, it doesn't stop there. Because in that power of the love and the life of the resurrection, he gathers us close and those first disciples of his and says, now you go do the same. Now you go live that way. Now you go pay attention to the hurting ones and you have no power to heal everything, but you have the power to companion and to be community and to testify to life and to love. And a man came to test him and said, but what are the limits of the love I'm supposed to show? Who's my neighbor? I invite you, in the course of the days of this week, to spend a little time with this story of the Good Samaritan. It's so familiar to us, but it's disarming in its powerful simplicity. You see, the man comes and he does what so many of us do, and in our worst days and on our average days, we might do too. Give me the parameters of what you're calling me to do, dear God. Set up the boundaries, the limitations, the extremes of what I'm asked to do. What's the deal here? How much do I have to love? Who's the neighbor? In other words, he asks, who am I supposed to love and who can I shut out? And notice what Jesus does. He doesn't define the in and the out. He doesn't define the categories of who counts as a neighbor. He turns the question on itself and instead says, become a neighbor. As Pope Francis likes to do, maybe it's better to turn it into a verb. Get busy neighboring. Sounds a little bit like Mr. Rogers too, but get busy neighboring. In other words, the answer to the question of who am I supposed to love is you're asking the wrong question. You are called to be the neighbor. You're to recognize the kinship that unites all of these people. Isn't it extraordinary, Jesus implies, that this Samaritan, the one who would be judged to be on the outside, a less than the in crowd, 
someone clearly defined as outside, teaches the lesson about what it looks like to actually be a neighbor. And what does it look like to be a neighbor? First, he sees the wounded one left for half dead. He moves toward him, gets proximate, gets near, gets close. He enters into the mess and the horror of it. And he tends to wounds, the practical love in action of pouring the balm, using the wine to touch the wounded one. And in language we're not supposed to miss, he lifts him up as if to restore his humanity and dignity and brings him to the inn and cares for him another day and ensures his care moving forward by inviting others to do the same. Pay attention to this neighbor. Watch him. When we feel completely overwhelmed by the fracture and the fissure, when the violence seems to be so close and so drastic, we recognize it. And we're called to step into the healing in whatever way that can happen, whether it's to care for each other, to pray for one another, to take those steps necessary to fix the mess, to call our country and our world to a deeper appreciation of the gift of who we are to each other and what life is, to talk to those with whom we do not agree, and to find somewhere there, nonetheless, a neighbor that I'm called to love. Remember, we're the ones that follow the one who said, love your enemies. What measure of greatness is it if you just love those who love you? We don't come here today to hear a simple message, an easy fix. That's not our faith. That's not our Jesus. But we've come to scrutinize, to read the signs of the times in light of these scriptures, pay attention to Jesus, grow close to those who hurt, work for the change necessary, that those values, those virtues we've come to know in him might be recognized in us and might become more of who we are together. Just after he was elected Pope back in 2013, Pope Francis gave an interview, and they asked him about the mission of the church today. And this is what he said. The thing the church needs most today is the ability to heal wounds and warm hearts. It needs nearness and proximity. I see the church as a field hospital after battle. Heal the wounds. The church needs to be a healer of wounds, a warmer of hearts, a field hospital to bring us proximate, close to the suffering. And the one who is life and hope will be with us and the promise of more will be sustained. May we hear that call to be that church now.
Time now for announcements and events. You're cordially invited to the installation Mass for Father Pat McGrath on July 31st at 11 a.m. Mass will be celebrated by the Cardinal as we formally welcome Father McGrath as the 18th pastor of Old St. Patrick's Church. Mass will be live-streamed as well. All are welcome and no reservations are necessary for the Mass. Then, after Mass, please join us for the second annual Brunch on the Block, which will be held in Heritage Park, across from the church. Spend a fun summer afternoon in the city as we welcome our new pastor to the community. Enjoy camaraderie among members and friends while listening to festive live jazz music. Tickets are $20 per person and include meal, coffee, and juice. To purchase tickets, go to bit.ly slash brunch on the block. The Chicago HELP Initiative has been working to provide bagged meals to food pantries that have seen an increase in need. In the last 18 months, they've gone from feeding 100 people a week to over 800 a week. Join OSP Encounter in helping them with the meal-making process. We'll meet on the second Monday of every month from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. To learn more about the Chicago HELP Initiative and to sign up, visit bit.ly slash mealmaking. And lastly, as a reminder, the Monday Evening Rosary Group meets via Zoom every Monday at 6 p.m. All are welcome, and we encourage anyone to come and join us during this time. If you'd like to join us, please contact us at rosaryprayergroup at oldstpats.org. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The homily was originally given at the 9 a.m. Mass on Sunday, July 10th by Father Pat McGrath. For more information about all resources available, visit our website at oldstpats.org. To stay up to date with new episodes, please follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Old St. Pat's app. Find us on Twitter at Old St. Pat's and on Instagram at Old St. Pat's Chicago. You've been listening to the Old St. Pat's Podcast.